Good morning. How's everybody this morning? All right. Did anybody float in this morning? How about that rain? Mercy. They say we're having some more. But let me tell you something. I believe it's going to rain in here this morning. It's already started raining, okay? And I tell you what, when you have a worship team like we have, it, it starts raining from the very minute they start worshiping. And I'll just tell you what, I have already felt the presence of God here this morning. And we've begun this new series called It's Time To. Let me ask you a question. How would you fill in that space? What is it time to for you? What is it time to? Is it time to spend some time with your family? Is it time to experience God? Is it time for forgiveness? Is it time for some new relationships? Is it time for a new career? Is it time for God to do something in your life that you've never let him do before? Let me ask you a question. Have any of you got a dirty garage? Huh? They woke up then on me. Let me ask you, do any of you do what I do? You clean out your garage, and, and before you know it, it's junked up again. You know, I, I never realized cars were made for those things, okay? In fact, what I realized in my garage, when I clean it out, all I do is move junk around. That's what I do. Because for too long, I've got car stuff, this and there, and, and it's just all junked up again. You know something? That's what we do in our spiritual life. We, we, we create some space for God, and then when God doesn't necessarily show up in our time, we do the Abraham and Sarah thing and just try to create something for ourselves because we feel like God doesn't really know what's going on, and, and we want it in our time and not God's time. So it ends up that space that we've created in our life begins to get junked up with something else. Or a lot of times it just gets junked up with the same old thing. This morning we're going to talk about it's time to create some space. Look at your neighbor and say it's time to create some space. Because that's what we're going to see. We're going to see this morning that it's time to create some space. Over the last year we have had a buku. I don't know if that's a, a, a right word, Jenny, in the English language, but we're going to use it, okay? There is a buku of people in our church who have had children. They've had, had babies, and, and they were expecting mom and dads. And uh, there's nothing more exciting than seeing a expectant mom and dad, especially when it's their first child. And, and see, when, that, when they're expecting that child, they're about to be parents, what do they do? They create some space in their home. They create a baby's room. And the expected mom is celebrated with some showers and, and she chooses her favorite colors and her patterns and her furniture and her car seats. One of the biggest battles we had was choosing a car seat. And the hospital told us before you can leave with that little baby, you got to know how to put the car seat in. I didn't think I'd ever figure that thing out. Anybody... In the same boat as me. And then dads, you know, if you find out it's going to be a boy, what do you do? You go, you know, if you're a sports fan, you go pick out all this sports paraphernalia. If you're into music, maybe you put some musical stuff in there. And, and we do all these. And the more the anticipation of that little child, the more 
we fill that room. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you filled that room and then when that baby was born, it never saw the light of that room? Huh? I believe I'm identifying with some of you here this morning. Our first child, it, it took an act of Congress to get her to stay in her room. I mean, it was a battle of battles. She'd just walk down the steps, and it didn't matter what. And, and I remember this one particular time. I may have shared this with you before, but I remember I was just like, okay, you know, Kim and I were talking. We've got to get Evan to stay in her room. And so I went upstairs, and I pulled the God card on her, and I said, listen, Evan, Jesus is up here in this room with you. And Jesus is going to be right here with you. And Mom and Daddy is going to be downstairs, but you don't have to worry because Jesus is right here. And he's going to watch you and he's going to be with you. And I'm just telling her this story and she just gets up out of her bed and she gets to the door. And I said, honey, where in the world are you going? She says, daddy, you stay up here with Jesus. I'm going to go down there and sleep with mama tonight. <laughs> you know, that happens, doesn't it? But the purpose of creating that space is because the expectation of that little baby. And that, that little baby has special significance. It's a new life. That space represents life change. We create the space to fill the space. Now, can we think about that from a spiritual perspective this morning? If you want God to do something in your life in 2020, then you've got to create the space for God to do it. You've got to make a space to work in that area of your life that you need Him. Listen to me this morning. If you create the space and trust God and wait on God, then God will step into that space in your life. Because God's nature is to create new things. The Bible says when we come to Christ that we are a new creation and the old has passed away. If you want to experience God in a great and miraculous way, then you've got to create space for Him. You know what's amazing about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? He will not force His way into your life. We have to create the space. Now His Holy Spirit may draw us, but we have to respond and create the space. There's a tremendous story in the Bible in, in Mark chapter 2 about four guys that created a space and, and they had a friend that was paralyzed and, and they wanted that friend to come to Jesus. But, and so, so they, they picked up his mat and, and they made way to take him to Jesus. And the story takes place in the city of Capernaum, okay? This was, this was a fish, fishing village, all right? We believe that it was the house of Peter, okay? So that makes sense that it was in a, a fishing village. But as we read this story, we need to realize this was the house of Peter, but it was also possibly, we think, where Jesus lived, okay? It's where he stayed. See, as we read the Bible, we just don't think Jesus ever stayed anywhere, do we? He had a house, guys, okay? He had a room, he had a bed, and, and But this was the center, in a sense, of his ministry, okay? And because of that, there were crowds that were always there, and, and Jesus was always teaching there. 
And, and so, you know, this also we see is, is probably the place where Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. She was deathly sick, had, had a very high temperature, and according to the Scripture, we think this is where that took place. Now, maybe, just maybe, that's why Peter denied Jesus three times. I don't know, but I'm just thinking there a little bit, okay? <laughs> Did read that somewhere, but that, I don't think that's the case. All right. So look with me in this passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, okay? And many were gathered together, so there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And then when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they created some space... They let down the bed on which the paralytic lie. And when Jesus saw their faith, not the paralytic's faith, but when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. And then the religious leaders, the scribes, the self-righteous people, look what they said. Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he arose and immediately picked up his bed and he went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorifying God, saying, we never saw anything like this before. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in your world we see things like we've never seen before. Father, I pray today that we will create the space for you to step into it. Father God, I pray for those here that are bound up with barriers <clears throat> that have kept them from you. God, I pray this morning that you will speak to us. Father, we already feel your presence and your power. And God, we just pray that your Holy Spirit will fill this place, anoint what I have to say. In your holy and powerful name we pray. Amen. Notice that when these four men picked up the mat, at that moment they created a space. At that moment they created a space for Jesus to do something in that man's life. But I want you to notice a couple things in this passage of Scripture. Number one, there was a crowd there. That crowd became a barrier. Because of that crowd, they couldn't get to the house when they wanted to get to the house. Because there was a crowd there, they went to the door, and the Bible says the door was full. They couldn't even see through the door. They couldn't even look through the door. So then, basically what happened, if, if, if you study this, these types' houses, they had stairs on the side of them. And I imagine these guys were like, you know what, we've, we've been carrying George for about three miles. I ain't carrying him no more. 
we got to get him to see Jesus because I know if he sees Jesus, something's going to happen. And, and, and one of the guys maybe, you know, said, hey, guys, I, there's some stairs here. And, and back in the day in my old life, I kind of busted through with some of these roofs. So I think they'll come down. So let's, let's take him on up the roof. I think we can do something. And, and, and he says, and that was another barrier. So there was a crowd. There, were, there, there was a crowd at the door. The roof was a barrier to them. And, and then they basically got there. And the Bible says that they raised the roof. Listen to me this morning. When you create some space for God to work in your life, when you create some space for God to work around you, they are going to be barriers. Just because you create the space doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Just because you create the space doesn't mean it's going to happen immediately. Just because you create the space doesn't mean there may be some discomfort. There's going to be barriers. There's going to be detours. The scripture says they went up the stairs and they made a space. The Bible says they raised the roof. Now listen to me this morning. When you face barriers and you want to create some space, here's what you've got to do. You've got to remove the barrier. You got to remove the barrier. You can't just create some space. If there's some space in your life that you've created for God and that space continues to be contaminated by something outside God, then you've got to remove the barrier. The scripture says they remove the roof above him. They let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And then when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which he was. We've got to remove the barrier, the roof, the crowd, the closed doorway, they were all barriers. Listen to me this morning. Those barriers represent things in our life that keep Jesus away. Those barriers represent things in our life that keep Jesus from doing what he needs to do in our life. Those barriers keep Jesus from creating something new in our life. But there's also another barrier, I think, that we face sometimes that we we probably forget about, but I think it becomes a big barrier for a lot of us. I think these guys probably looked a little foolish. You think? Here they are, four grown men carrying a man on a stretcher in a crowd. And then they take that stretcher and they walk up some steps and they they remove the barrier, they open the roof, and, and they drop a man down to see Jesus. Listen to me this morning. The Bible is full of foolish looking people in man's eyes. Do you think Noah didn't look foolish when he started building an ark, but he obeyed God and he created a space? Do you think Sarah and Elizabeth didn't look foolish when they were 90-something years old and they started wearing maternity wear? Do you think David didn't look foolish when he took out a slingshot to fight a giant? Do you think Moses' mom 
didn't look foolish when she created a basket and put that little baby in a river because Pharaoh was going to kill the newborns? Listen to me this morning, parents, from a guy that's a little bit older. In this culture today, you may need to look foolish, okay? Your, your children are going to think you look foolish. I can't count on hands, feet, or anything how many times my kids thought I was foolish. Sometimes they still think I'm foolish. Listen to me. If you love your kids, there's times in their life you're going to need to look foolish because you know what they need. And if you just go by the culture today, listen to me this morning, you won't fill that space and create that space. Don't worry about looking foolish in the eyes of your child because you know what's best for them. Sometimes when we create the space for God to move in our life, we may need to look a little foolish. It's time to raise the roof. It's time to break through that obstacle. Listen, I believe there are some people here today that need to open the doors of Christ in their life this year. I believe there's some people here that God is going to open some doors for you. God is going to break through some barriers. God is going to remove some walls. God's going to take down some detours and some strongholds in your life. For some of you, those barriers are negative environments. Your vocabulary is never, no, no way I can't. But let me tell you something this morning. You may say I can't, but Jesus says I can. He says I am the way. He doesn't say I was the way or I will the way. He says I am the way. That's who Jesus is this morning. Maybe it's negative emotions that you're struggling with that's keeping you from creating space. And maybe it's some kind of emotional scars. Maybe it's an insecurity. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's some kind of sin or it's some kind of failure. My mind goes back to a young lady by the name of Rahab in the Old Testament. She was a prostitute, we believe. In fact, we believe that not only was she a prostitute, but the inn that she owned was a brothel. And when the spies came in, she created a space because she hid the spies. In fact, she told them, I believe that you serve the true Lord and God. And because of that, I'm going to do what I need to do. And I believe that He is the God in heaven. This prostitute, this brothel owner created a space for God to work in her life. And she later became the mother of Boaz. And she was a great, great, great grandmother of King David because she, even in her sinful situation, created a space for God to work. Listen to me this morning. There may be somebody out here this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You, don't, you have never celebrated Him as your Lord. Let me tell you something. When Jesus Christ enters into your heart, it's not just something that's going to affect you, but it's going to affect the generations to come that are going to follow after you. When you create that space, it allows God not just to do something in you, but it allows God to do something in the people around you. You see, she could have easily been a victim. She could have easily been a victim of her situation because she believed in the God of heaven. She became a victor. For some of you this morning, the very thing that keeps you from creating a space 
is a victim mentality. Can I just be honest with you? I need to confess there's probably nothing I hate worse than a victim mentality. I feel like our, our world, especially America, not the world, America, we are cursed with a victim mentality. You see, when we have a victim mentality, it, it creates an excuse. It becomes your crutch. And you can blame everything in your life that happens on victimhood. And listen to me, I'm not saying you're not a victim. I'm not saying something happened to you. In fact, sometimes people think, as long as I'm a victim, you can't blame me. Listen to me this morning. God doesn't want you to be a victim. He wants you to be a victor. And God is creating a space for you to step into and step out of what happened to you in your life. When I think about that, I think about our Senator Tim Scott. When you look at the life of Tim Scott and you read about him, you see a, see a man that was determined to not be a victim. He said he moved from house to house, but he had a mother that loved him. And then in his young, young manhood years, a man he met at Chick-fil-A poured into him and became a mentor. And that man had a dream of creating a space for a million people. But that man died and he, he created a space in Tim Scott. And Tim Scott is a dream to create a space for a billion people because a man stepped into his life and he would not be a victim. You see, when we create spaces, it enables God to do things that we could never dream he could do. Listen to me this morning. God wants to create something new in you this morning. God wants to break through those strongholds in your life. God is not through with you yet. There are some of you out there this morning, you feel like you're dead. But your heart's still beating. That means God's not through with you yet. That means God still has a space for you to create. But you've got to get rid of the barriers. You've got to face the barriers. You've got to remove the barriers. Let me ask you, do we have any barrier breakers here this morning? Is there anybody here that's ready to break some barriers? Is there anybody here that's ready to raise the roof? I hope you are. Because I believe that's what God wants to do. Some of you maybe have been battling something for years and years and years. But it's time to break through. It's time to let God remove that barrier. It's time to let God into that roadblock. It's time to let God into that pain that you've carried for years and years. Notice what Jesus says in this situation. And when Jesus, what? Saw their faith. Not the paralytic's faith, but when he saw their faith, he said, your sins are forgiven. I wonder if the four guys standing up there above the roof said, we wanted him to walk, but he's forgiven his sins. How do you respond when God bypasses what you want to give you what you need? How do you respond when God bypasses what you want to give you what you need. See, the obvious thing, the easy thing for Jesus to do would be just to heal the man and then say, forgive his sins. But sometimes before God can do what is obvious and change your situation, he needs to deal with your sin. 
You've got to give God your sin before you create the space. You see, God wants to work in you so much that He knows He needs to change who you are before you can become who you need to be. That's what God wants to do in our life. He wants to remove the barrier so that He can create some space to do what He created you to do. Am I talking to anybody here this morning? Am I talking to anybody does anybody need to change your situation? Are you fed up with where you are? I believe there's some people here that are ready to take a step of faith. I believe there's some of you here that are ready to create some space. You see, Jesus, the Bible says, saw their faith. Their faith was what got them through the crowd. Their faith was what caused them to remove their barrier. Their faith created that space. Students, let me talk to you just a minute. Can I talk to my students just a minute? Have you got four friends? Have you got four friends like these four friends? Have you got four friends that will take a barrier down to get you to Jesus? Let me tell you something. If you don't, that's what you need. Let me tell you, you need to be that kind of friend. Because I'm going to tell you, your friends will either create barriers for you or they will make barriers for you. I wonder, adults, have we got that kind of friends? You see, the crowd kept this paralyzed man from Jesus. But that same crowd that was a barrier became an audience of amazement as he walked out that door. He came in carrying a mat or he came in laying on a mat, but he walked out carrying a mat. He came down through the roof looking foolish, but he walked out full of favor. That's what happens when we create space for God to work. Well, you say, Pastor, how in the world can God do that in me? How in the world can God remove that barrier from my life? Let me tell you what's got to happen. You've got to create some space and put God first in your life. That's what you've got to do. You've got to put God first. If you don't put God first then that space is not going to matter. Look what the Scripture says in Matthew 6, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We've got to put God first in our life. How do you do that? Here's what you do. Here's the first step to putting God first in your life. You've got to put God first in your time. You've got to put God first in your time. One reason we've created the, the morning devotional time for men and, and the women's night out for some coffee is so that you can begin to put God first in your time, so that you can begin to spend some time with God. Look what the Scripture there says. I don't know, maybe this defines some of you. Okay, Some of you wives may say, mm, that's my husband right there. Awake, old sleeper. That gum, I believe some of y'all were asleep till I said that. All right. <laughs> Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. What's that saying? Create some space. Look carefully then how you walk, 
not as wise but as unwise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish. Don't waste your time. But understand what the will of the Lord is. What is this passive scripture here saying? Create some space with your time. If you want to fight those barriers and see God do something in this next year, you've got to create some space in your time. You see, when we think about the prayer and fasting that, that, that we're going through here at the church, it's not about trying to get a breakthrough from God. It's about aligning yourself with what God wants for your life. It's about aligning yourself with what God is already doing. Can I tell you something this morning? You don't need something new in your life. You may think you do. You just need to walk in what God's already done. You just need to walk in what God's already done and create some space to live in it. You see, that's why we want to fast. We pray to receive something from God. We fast to give up an area of our life so God can step in and create some space. And guys, it's all about your time. That's what it's all about. It's all about your time. You got to put God first. Here's the second thing that we need to do is you need to honor God with your life. You can't put God first unless you honor God with your life. You're not going to fill that space unless you honor God with your life and you're determined to do that. Can I show you how to do that? Can I show you how to really begin to walk in God and create some space this new year? Honor God with your abilities. Honor God with your abilities. Look what the passage of Scripture says. I believe every single one of us can find yourself in this passage. Because some of you sitting out there can say, well, you know, Pastor, you can speak. Or, or you know, uh, Shannon can sing. These guys can play, you know. And, and, you know, some of the you know, other people in church can do this different thing good. But, you know, God can't use my abilities. And, and, well, let's see what the Scripture says about it. Let's see what God says. Okay. If you want God to create some space, honor Him with your abilities. In His grace, isn't that kind of funny? Despite of who we are. In spite of who we are, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out without as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, then take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, then do it gladly. I believe that covers every single person sitting in a chair out there this morning. Honor God with your ability. Create some space. Let me tell you something. God didn't give you your talents and abilities and your education just to make a lot of money. God let that happen. God gave you that so that He could use that in the kingdom of God. You see, when you create that space with your ability, then God can take that ability and do something in your life that you never dreamed that God could do. Give God 
your abilities. And then here's the last thing. Don't turn me off when I say this. Honor God with your finances. Some of you are saying, Pastor, I was tracking with you until you brought that up. I was in all agreement. Can I tell you something this morning? God does not care about your money. Yep, I said that. God does not care about your money, but look at me this morning. God cares about what your money represents, and that's your heart. He cares about what your money represents. You see, when you give, then you create a space for God to move into your finances. If you're struggling this morning financially, I guarantee you, if you will begin to tithe, you're going to create a space in your income for God to do something that you never thought He could do. I can promise you that. I'm a testimony of that in my life. You see, God can take that 10% and do amazing things with it. And I have found out that I can live on 90% better than I can live on 100%. Because when I give 10% to God, I am creating a space for God to step in. Listen to me. I'm not judging you. Please understand, I'm not condemning you if you're not doing that. I'm just encouraging you to create a space for God to step into your finances. Look what His Word says. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns... Is God lying right here? Either He's lying or He ain't lying. Okay? Your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will be bursting with wine. Guys, that's what God's Word says. That's a principle and that's a promise that I believe God will honor in your life. I was talking to a, a friend this last week. And, and he called me on the phone and we were talking about some different things. And, and he had been telling me about how God had been blessing him and how his finances had been overflowing. And he said, Stephen... Can I tell you something? He said, I started tithing, and I hadn't tithed in a long time. And he said, it is amazing what God has done in that area of my life. Listen to me this morning. Honor God with your time. Put Him first. Honor God with your talents and abilities. And then let God step into your finances by honoring Him. And I believe this next year, you're going to create some space. And that's not going to be empty space. But God's going to step into that space. Let me tell you something. There is space at Four Points Church. And we're going to create some space for God to do something amazing. Because God has created this space for this community and thousands of people that live all around here. I want to close with a story about a young man by the name of Timo and a mentor named Mike. They were attending the same camp together and, and, and Mike was working there at the camp and, and spoke some there at the camp. And he met this young boy by the name of Timo. And, and Timo had asked him to, if they could talk and, and because he was really struggling with some things in his life. And, and he began to share 
with Mike that his father was an alcoholic and, and when he would get drunk, he would beat him and his mom and, and he finally left and never returned when he was nine years old. And he said because of his father, he felt angry, he felt rejected, and he felt depressed, and he struggled to believe in a God, the fatherly love of God. He couldn't understand that as he had heard the speaker speak about. So they prayed together and they agreed to meet the next day, the next afternoon. So the following afternoon came and, and they met down by the lake and, and Mike was wearing his favorite sweater. It was a very unique sweater and he, and he loved the sweater. And as they sat there and talked and sat on the bench beside the lake, he noticed that Timo just shook and, and shrivered and, and it was cold. And, and he heard God say, give him your sweater. And he just kept on talking to Timo and God said, give him your sweater. And he didn't want to give him his sweater. It was his favorite sweater. And finally he listened and he gave in and he said, here, Timo, I can see that you're cold. Take my sweater and wear it. And Timo didn't seem to care that that sweater was five times too big for him. And so, so he took that sweater. They finished talking. And at the time, it really didn't seem to matter Timo that he got the sweater. It just was something to keep him warm. The next day, Mike left from the airport without his sweater, his favorite sweater. Sixteen years later, speaking at a conference in Finland, before his last message, the interpreter asked if he could say something. And he stood up in front of that crowd and he said, I'm 32 years old. 16 years ago, I went to a camp. It was a camp by a lake. And he said, the guy you've been listening to was there. And I don't think he remembers me. My name is Timo. And he said, I told him about my father and my struggle to believe in God and to receive God's love. And on the second afternoon, he gave me his sweater. A very beautiful sweater, a unique sweater. That sweater was a game changer that God used to change my life. It created a space in my heart for God to step in. My father had never given me a gift, and, and now this stranger gave me such a great sweater. I wondered if God was behind that gift, and that maybe God did love me. And he could be my father. And he could change my life. Then Timo reached into a bag and took out the sweater that he had had for 16 years. And he looked at Mike and he looked at the crowd and he said, Today, I give this back because it's done its job. It created a space in my heart for God that was never there. Listen to me this morning, four points. We're space makers. We're space makers. You're a space maker. God wants you to create some space so that He can step in and do something miraculous in your life, to do something that you never dreamed He could do. There are two types of people here this morning. There are some of you 
that God has stepped into your heart and created that space. And you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know Him, but you've stepped away from Him. And you need to open that space again. You have a relationship, but He's not the Lord of your life. And then the second group here today is you've never created that space. The Holy Spirit of God is knocking at your heart. He wants to create a space. He wants to come in to make you complete and make you that person that God created you to be. He wants to be your Lord and your Savior. Maybe you don't understand this morning how to do that. It's basically, the Bible says, to believe and receive that Jesus is who He says He is. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. Believe that Jesus rose from the the grave and that Jesus can step out of heaven and step into your heart. I wonder who needs to do that this morning. Who needs to just pray and say, Jesus, I believe you and I need to receive you. Will you bow your heads with me this morning? I wonder if you're here today and if you were to die today, you would not spend eternity in heaven, but you'd end up in hell. This morning, you felt the Spirit of God tugging at your heart and you want to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You want to ask Him to be your Lord and Savior. You want Him to create that new life within you. If that's who you are, this morning, if that's what you need to do today, if you need a relationship with Jesus Christ, would you just look up at me and raise your hand? Is there anybody here today? Just look up at me, raise your hand, and say, Pastor, I need Jesus to step into my heart. I need to create a space for Him. I need to know Him. I need to experience Him. Thank you so much. In the next few minutes, we're going to do something a little bit different today. Praise teams, worship teams, going to do a couple songs. And I want to encourage you as they sing and as they worship, just to worship God. To create a space for worship. And maybe you want to come down here and just pray. Maybe you just need to come down and just lift up your heart to God. If you want to do that, that's fine. I'll be down here. I want you to just next take this time as they lead us in worship to just spend some time with you and God and exalt His name and create that space for Him in your life. Heavenly Father, we're so honored to be called your children. Father, we're so blessed and, 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 and full of grace because of who you are and because of what you've done. And Father God, I pray that this morning that you've created some space. I pray this morning for that person that's struggling is facing that barrier, that roadblock, that stronghold. That God, they will honor you with their life, with their time, with their talents, with their finances, with everything they do. Father God, may your spirit continue to flow. In your holy name we pray, amen.